You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? You know, we, we've heard the phrase attention economy, right? the, the concept that we are living in an attention economy where it's not, you know, it's so much about, you know, capturing people's attention, maintaining their attention. And in many cases, attention wins, right? Attention is what works, especially when it comes to marketing and selling. But I will say I, I see a downside or I see the, the bad side of that in the NFT space. And I think the question becomes like, can we live in it? Can we switch the tide of this attention uh, economy in somewhere like NFTs, because right now, unfortunately, a lot of the attention is on the crypto bro FOMO. But before I get in there, of course, uh, shout out to our sponsor, the Crypto Business Conference. It is the conference for those that are looking to level up on all things Web3, NFTs, Metaverse, crypto, and everything else there. Excited to, to not only partner there, but be there speaking and, and be the opening keynote there on day number two. Want to do a, a throwback, but today's throwback is actually just till yesterday. Uh, yesterday, number two hundred and seventy in our Mint three sixty five collection, in our journey uh, to our you know our exciting journey to our three hundred and sixty five, and of course uh, on November eleventh, uh, where we selling the whole uh, collection. We actually minted the Techie Club. So Techie Club, uh, it's Techie underscore Club on the Twitters. Um, it's number 270. And I'll say there's a, there's going to be a, a big trend around a lot of NFT projects being, um, you know, education based or education enabling. And I really liked this one uh, because the way that it was set up, it's really focused on like recruiting and helping people get new jobs and adjust their resume. And what are Web3, what are ways that we can, you know, um, hire or even apply for jobs in kind of a Web3 enabled uh, world. And so I thought that was a great, uh, you know, collection uh, to add to our Mint365. Also loved, you know, they're really focused on being kind, inclusive, and generosity, which I think everyone here knows that is uh, right up my alley. And, you know, part of the reason I'm writing a high, and I'm just going to put this out there, you know, I'm writing a high uh, thanks to yesterday's, uh, you know, every Monday night for I don't even know how many weeks it's been since uh, February, I believe, we do a, a show. I am the co-host with Shira Lazar, who was kind of the brainchild of this. So Shira Lazar, myself, and Manushka, we host uh, Alpha Mondays just about every Monday. We've skipped a couple of Mondays when we've been traveling, but We've been doing it on Twitter spaces. It's usually about two hours. Bring up different projects, different people into um, conversations. Uh, and last night was one of you know our my favorites, one of the really most dynamic that we've uh, had. And and it was you know it was a great conversation. The conversation was really all about uh, CCO and that you know Creative Commons license. And we of course did a whole podcast episode on it. Uh, and we had pulled up some guests. Um, we had Ryan Carson, who is was actually one of the original uh, founders of of Moonbirds, who's since left Moonbirds, 
uh, started his own fund uh, now, actually. And the fund, of course, uh, invests in uh, Moonbirds as well. Uh, and then we also had uh, Zeneca and we had a couple Moonbird holders. Um, we have Modi from the actual Crypto Toads, which is another collection. Um, and then, of course, halfway through, uh, actually, the founder of of Moonbirds, uh, Kevin Rose jumped in uh, the audience. He actually ended up coming on stage uh, and chatting with us for a good while. And even you know Tim Ferriss was. We saw Tim Ferriss in the audience, and it was just a great um, overall dynamic conversation. And it, it jumped out at me. Not only is it important for us to have these public conversations, but it's also important for us to you know amplify them because just because you couldn't be there last night doesn't mean you can't consume that that uh, Twitter space. So we're using a tool called Zealous. Um, it's actually from one of our past guests. Uh, shout out to Gregarious. Uh, Gregarious is the founder of a tool called Zealous that actually transcribes and archives all of our Twitter spaces, including the ones, anyone that I'm on stage, um, which is our, our, a lot of them, it actually archives them for us. And so I will actually put the link here in the show notes if you want to go check out that um, Alpha Mondays conversation that we had. Um, and I mean, really dynamic conversation. Loved, you know, we are pushing, you know, a lot of the dynamic around, you know, what was Moonbird's decision? You know, what, how does this all, you know, impact on Creative Commons? Uh, and you know, there was arguments kind of on all sides. But I think for me, the part that was so interesting is that Ryan Carson uh, and myself were kind of, you know, batting the ball back and forth around the current attention problem, right? And I, I think the problem is, is a great way to position this, right? We live, you know, the NFT space, the whole, actually this whole crypto NFT space is very much into, in a speculative uh, market, right? Where people are, you know, speculating, you know, what is, what is the value going to be of this project or should I invest my time? And, and Ryan refers to them as securities. He just thinks that, um, you know, and, and I won't, you know, Ryan Carson, you can listen to the, the entire episode. I, I'm going to reach out to Ryan, maybe get him on the podcast, but I loved his point about, you know, if we own that they're securities, what it's nice is that we get to invest in startups without having to go through the the normal you know paperwork as far as funding we can just simply do our own damn research buy an nft and we we ultimately are buying a piece of that startup you know a security in that startup as it grows but the bigger discussion i thought was that i would tap in for this episode was really around this idea of like attention and part of the problem became when Moonbirds made their announcement, and we could we can all debate, right? They they could have communicated it better to their holders. They could have educated people on the different options and what CCO CC zero actually was, you know, leading up to it. They could have put it to a vote. They could have they could have dropped the DAO first. There's lots of things they could have definitely differently. Um, I appreciate Kevin Rose's honesty on that in uh, the Twitter space, being very open about um, you know some things that you know he believes they could have done differently. But it's neither here nor that in the sense that the amount of just pure, just pure negative energy. That's the best way I can put it. The amount of pure negative energy that is spouted from people that are quote unquote influential in that either if they don't have a bag in that space or if they don't understand something, they feel the need. And in many cases they're rewarded for just spouting out a negativity and bashing and shaming. Um, and in many cases it's even more like, I don't think FUD is the right term. I think FUD is, you know, FUD is just like someone complaining why, you know, why, you know, I, you know, about the project, right? And I understand FUD is much more than that, right? You know, you're, you're sharing fear, uncertainty, and doubt. But more so than just spreading fear, uncertainty, and doubt, it's like getting a high 
off of bashing and breaking other people down. And like the question I have is like, if for the people that, you know, and like this really, you know, I, I went off on this in the other episode, right? Like because just because you don't hold the NFT or you missed out on the opportunity or you weren't given the opportunity to mint doesn't mean that you shouldn't cheer for that project to be successful. Now I understand there's bags involved in the financial component, but this crypto bro world, right? Especially this like under, let's just say under 25, um, you know, very bitter, loud love, you know, mocking and breaking down um, others is pretty disgusting. Um, And so much so Ryan Carson actually turned his Twitter account private uh, and he recommended everyone to do that. I can say I've never even thought about turning my uh, Twitter account private. Thank goodness I haven't, you know, been exposed to that. But, you know, I can understand this idea of like, you know, it's and it's not just because like it's pure hate, but it's pure negativity. And it's almost like we are feeding for that. And now let's, let's, let's just take a real quick back, step back before all of the, you know, this gives ammo to all of the NFT haters. As a society, we are pretty much that as well, right? Like as soon as the news breaks, it's people on one side of politics, you know, claiming that's about time. It's others, you know, claiming that they're you know, misjudged and, um, you know, everything is wrong. And that's in everything, right? Like, it's amazing how, like, even just the idea, are, it, are we in a depression or are we not in a depression is like a polarizing topic full of negative energy where some people are like, I don't know how you call it a, a recession, even though we've had two quarters uh, in the negative. And others are like, how are you redefining this, right? And there's like this, oh, there's just this like negative energy that is not beneficial for anyone. Even my Siri watch uh, agrees with that. But the piece of this that I think is so interesting is in the attention economy, one of the things that, you know, a trend that we saw is that, let's say a year ago right now, yes, there was like random roadmaps that were out. I know Board Ape Yacht Club had a roadmap um, when they launched, but a lot of projects didn't really have a detailed roadmap, didn't have a lot. And, and really what they were saying is like, hey, we, we have a great team of people. Probably you don't know their names because we're not doxxed. Um, and we think these NFTs are going to blow up. We have friends that are going to buy in and you kind of just like jumped into projects. And, we'll, and eventually that attention required like, hey, we want to know more before we jump in. So, you know, this idea of roadmaps came out, right? And initially roadmaps were just like a bunch of things that they like nice to haves or like, I feel like it was like a Santa's wish list uh, for um, NFT projects. And people were semi-satisfied with that. And then eventually we're like, we want dates. We want to know when on this roadmap things are going to happen. Well, then, of course, what happened is that people started not delivering on that roadmap. And they also started to get worried about how that was going to be looked at by the SEC and how that's going to be regulated. And, and are they going to be held to some of these, um, these things uh, when, you know, when NF- if, if NFTs are uh, identified as a security? And then a really weird transition happened. Rather than us just becoming better at delivering on our promises on our roadmap, we almost switched to this world of, well, fine, I have no roadmap, I have no discord, uh, and you just have to bet on us. Now, you know, the, the good part of that is some of the projects started to dox their founders and their teams, so we started to get to know them. And then, of course, there was like an influx of heavy hitters from like the Web 2 world, right? And, and Kevin Rose being one of them um, with his, his background with Dig. Um, I've known Kevin Rose for a long time, met him for the first time uh, back in 2013 uh, at South by Southwest. 
you know, then we also had um, Chris uh, with uh, CPG. Uh, we had, you know, there was lots of, I wouldn't even say lots, but there was like kind of an influx of some, um, of some heavy hitters from, you know, the Web 2 world. And a lot of people looked at that and said, ooh, based on their track record in Web 2, I trust them. I believe in them. I'm going to, you know, invest. I'm going to buy into their projects. But along with that became like the haters. And I, and I like to think of them as, like they're the same people that don't like that their favorite band went got big over time, right? Because they're like, no, I discovered them first. I bought their CD out of the back of their car. And even though their mission and goal this entire time was to reach success and I love their music and I wish more people listened to it, I want all the spotlight on me. Like, and they, and they, they start to like bash or hate that, that band as they become more famous or as they, um, as they make it, right? As they make that American dream. And there's a lot of people that are still influential, loud, and powerful in this NFT space that are that same way because they're kind of bitter and they're kind of upset that not everybody is, you know, kissing their feet, bowing to them, and that the playground has got more competitive. And guess what? You need to dox yourself because you need to put something on the line. And guess what? We are no longer okay with you just, you know, manipulating things and, and you know, creating fake wallets and using bots and, and really, you know, providing your own exit liquidity and, and pumping your own, al- you know, alpha groups so that you can take advantage of random people. And so, the, the byproduct of this is that we as consumers, we as NFT investors and collectors, and even as NFT project founders, we have more information, we are smarter, we are more understanding than we've ever been before. The problem is that current attention and speculation is actually kind of leaning people towards keeping the roadmap, keeping the plans moving forward in their back pocket or keeping them secretive, Right. I mean, like, this is a problem. Like, a problem that I believe we have is that a lot of projects are like, I can't tell you what we're doing next because it's so amazing. And people are like, oh my God, we need to buy 10 of them now. And you're like, wait a second. That person hasn't delivered on anything in the last six months. And there is one project that I'm thinking of in my head right now. They haven't delivered just about anything in, in six months. They've added a couple NFTs. But, you know, I bought my merch uh, you know, pass in March and uh, it's uh, August. Still don't have my merch, even though we've been promised three times. Um, but, um, but oh my goodness, they just said that they have a top secret plan in this like really like in the vault Like we must find that like that's the reason we must invest. And it's kind of ridiculous, right? And what I believe like that we have to have that shift towards is like who, you know, like let's, let's actually celebrate projects that are putting the roadmap out and delivering on it and even over delivering. And let's also remove, like, let's stop giving attention to those that are using like our attention against us and start giving our attention to those that are willing to deliver and continue to deliver and continue to show up. The problem is that's not as sexy. It's not as polarizing. Um, and for a lot of people, they are so bag bias that, that they are blind and, in my opinion, slightly obnoxious. And what I mean by, band, uh, by bag bias is that the, because of the NFTs they hold or they don't hold, their opinion about a project or opinion about people or opinion about you know, styles or innovative ideas is so jaded just simply based on the financial piece that it's kind of disgusting. Like I, I, I like, and maybe it's because, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not like blindly optimistic, but I am one that like I have some you know core beliefs, some non-negotiables that are in my life. And not only am I not willing to waver on my non-negotiables, but I don't care how much money I have involved in my non-negotiables. If something rubs me wrong, right? And, and I have money, even though I might have, a, a, you know, my bag might be negatively impacted. For like me, I feel like I have a moral obligation to stay true to the things that are most important to me and the things that are like my core fundamentals, right? And I also believe that innovation is not does not grow in an environment that that attacks and really amplifies negativity and would per- prefer to see crazy cool solutions die than that than a crazy cool solution succeed if they're not involved in it. And here's the truth. The coolest you know, the coolest NFT projects, the best utility, the coolest art, the, the most dynamic, uh, you know, uh, discord. Guess what? All of them were created in the last 18, 20 months by someone willing to do something different. And all of a sudden it became like the standard or it came the gold bar. But right now, the way that our culture, our community, and I, and I, and, and sadly I'm preaching to the choir because I don't believe a lot of the people that are, are the problem are willing to listen to others or heaven forbid, listen to a podcast. You know, I don't have a bored ape or a crypto punk. So why the hell would they trust me? It's not like I've minted an NFT every day for 270 days. And I have a background in early adoption as a digital futurist worked in cybersecurity for 10 years. I've uh, been doing open source code and, and really helping brands and audiences adapt technology and humanity. I mean, why would they listen to me when they can just listen to their own little bubble of people sharing the same thing? And so like for me, stepping outside the bubble, was important. But here's the piece that really bothers me, and it, and it kind of taps into the Moonbirds conversation, is that if we can't in, be encouraged and motivated and inspired by big projects such as Moonbirds, or we could say Proof Collective, you know, the parent company, if we can't be inspired by their willingness to try something different. Yes, they could have done it differently. Yes, they probably should have communicated it betterly, better. Yes, they probably might have wanted to think about that, you know, months ago. But this space evolves. And this space is a lot about like who are the people that are willing to do it first, press the limits, test out what's going on. Now, the other part of that conversation is there is not one size fits all. And if I had to summarize that that Twitter space that we had about, you know, CCO and IP rights, it really is that every project, every artist, every every single one needs to be, you know, looked at individually and saying, okay, what are the what are the you know pros and what are the cons, right? What are the what are the benefits and what are the possible you know downsides of us moving, you know, giving away our IP rights versus maybe us going CCO so more people can build on top of us um, and we can amplify our brand. But I will say, the bigger question that I have is like. What can we do as a culture and a community to shift the attention in an attention economy from those that are, that are undoxed, that are, are, are using the veil of secrecy to scam and to continue to not deliver? How can we shift the attention and the, and the, like the value proposition from them to the projects and the people that are willing to innovate, the willing to do things differently, willing to own their mistakes, willing to um, you know try out things new, willing to just be here throughout the whole you know the whole journey, right? And you know I, I will you know one last shout out to Kevin Rose. You know I love the fact that 
you know, he not only, they made that announcement. They did a Twitter space the other night. I listened to the whole thing. Um, but today he said he, he was moving to LA and got off the airplane, saw the Twitter space was happening, jumped in and raised his hand, right? So I believe more founders have to be willing to do that, right? When the backlash is there, right? There's a lesson here, right? When people, when you might be losing some of the trust, when the backlash is there, when you get like un, you know, unpredictable kind of feedback or when all of a sudden something that you, that was good has turned, the number one thing you can do is own it, listen, learn, and show up, right? And like, I will tell you, a lot of these projects, a lot of these people that are in our space right now will not, would have not done that. I can guarantee you that a lot of people, a lot of founders, a lot of projects that I love, their founders wouldn't, wouldn't have the, the, you know, the gumption uh, to actually show up, recognize that, hey, we made some mistakes, listen and learn, have these conversations with people, explain like, hey, this is what, what we were thinking, but also be just willing to be, continue to kind of be active and evolve. And I will tell you just personally, and this is not financial advice, if I had the liquidity right now, I would buy a Moonbird in a heartbeat. It's under 15 ETH. Um, I don't think I ever thought I would get below 20 ETH. I believe I am more bullish on Moonbirds right now than I have ever been before. But here's the, here's, here's the problem with that. Is because of this negative energy and where our attention is right now, I wouldn't be surprised if the project drops lower on the floor price over the next couple of weeks. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it gets down closer to 10 as they kind of flush out some of uh, the people that maybe weren't educated enough or just kind of buy into that like hype and that negativity. But then I do believe part of this, and I think we will look back on, we can look back on this podcast episode, like three years from now, we'll look back on this podcast episode and CCO will not be massively adopted by every project. But what I do believe, we will look back at this and say, look at what XCopy did. Look at what um, NounsDAO did. Look at what CryptoToads did. And then look at what Moonbirds did, or even Goblin Town. And look at how they, they brought to life another way of, of, of ownership rights or ownership connections in the NFT space. Like this won't be the last conversation around intellectual property or the way we share things. I mean, um, you know, the co-founder of Ethereum, uh, uh, Vitalik, uh, he, he posted yesterday, you know, a new um, protocol or a new contract that would actually allow stealth sharing of NFTs. So he proposed this new, he tweeted it out, the idea that, you could actually have a contract that the only people that actually know who sent someone an NFT is the person sending it and the person receiving it. And I was like, what? And, and the funny thing about that is we're going to have lots of what moments over the next many months and years in this space. The question becomes, are we going to allow those what moments? I don't know. Now I just like saying that. Uh, those what moments to be ones where we give the attention and the idea like, man, I love the innovation. And, and for those like rooting for other projects to fail, shame on you. Shame on you. I, I, I don't root for any projects to fail. Um, I, do, I, I do root for people to see the light in some projects and realize that they're be, being sold a fake bill of goods or that they should get out now before they're taken advantage of or, the, or that person's true colors comes through. But ultimately, I don't wish for any projects or people to fail. I believe the more that we can have use cases, the more we can have success stories, the more innovative scenarios. And, and let's face it, I, I said this before, you know, I exited a couple projects that were my favorite projects in my bag. 
And part of me was like, you know what's cool about that is I can exit it, although I didn't want to exit it at a loss, but we did. Um, but I can exit it. Someone else can see the same project and see it massively valuable today. And they can now take my NFT and go on that journey. And I can go you know, use that energy and liquidity somewhere else. And so for me, when I look at the attention economy and I look at NFTs, we just need to stop amplifying the negativity. We need to stop focusing. Like, I wish that we had this much, like all of that attention on educating on topics, right? But like, you know, the, we've been talking about CCO and IP rights for a year, right? For at least in my, in my world. Nobody really gave a crap, right? Nobody amplified it. Nobody shared it. Nobody watched our, our YouTube videos. And then all of a sudden it makes mainstream and, and all of a sudden it's this like dynamic debate and conversation and people on all sides. And much like all debates, debates are only really valuable if both people on both sides are not only educated, but are willing and able to see the other person's point of view, even if they disagree with it. And unfortunately, right now, the NFT space doesn't have much of that. But I will say, there is a positive thing. I felt like that Twitter space that we had last night on Alpha Mondays was just that. It wasn't who's right, who's wrong. It was let's talk out all sides. Let's educate us all on the different variables, who got hurt, who, who looks to benefit, what are the risks, what are, the, uh, uh, are the, you know, the rewards. And to me, that's where that magic happens. And imagine if we shifted more of our attention to that kind of, uh, of, of debates and less of our attention to these you know, people that are faking it till they make it. And I mean, I, I'm really bullish now on, you know, we, need, we need founders to be doxxed. We need them to put their your reputation and their face on the line. Um, and we also need, you know, not only the, we need projects to be willing to put roadmaps out there, but we need to hold them accountable. But we also have to be open to give them grace on how the, this whole thing goes down the journey. So I believe the attention economy is just getting started. And it doesn't, you know, the attention economy doesn't mean it's always, a, uh, the attention is always on good things or positive things or innovative things. But I do believe as a community, as a culture, we can shift that tide and make that the case, make that the scenario as we move forward. Of course, shout out to our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is happening in October in beautiful San Diego, California. Uh, excited to be you know, the opening keynote there on day two. Uh, just amazing lineup of different points of view on metaverse and NFTs and crypto, um, and also just really well-designed um, you know, everything, and I'm, I'm definitely biased as, you know, being able to be involved with uh, Mike and the team, but the, just the, the entire layout, the entire flow, it's single track, so you can just go there. Everyone, a thing I love about single track events is that everyone witnesses the same thing so that you can really have a conversation with just about anyone compared to like a lot of events where you go and, and you know, when you meet up with somebody at night, you guys, no one saw the same session. Everybody was in different, you know, you're in this ballroom, someone over, over here. And so a lot of the conversations like catching up rather than having conversations and growing and, and taking actions. And I'm excited. That's what uh, the crypto business conference uh, is all about. And lastly, I'll leave you, I'll leave you with this is that, you know, I, I after I jumped uh, out of that, that alpha Monday space, I was riding this high as you can hear me right now. And I jumped into Sammy Ariega's uh, Twitter space. And, and Sammy, of course, is a musician. Um, and he's been on the podcast as a guest. We've minted two of his NFTs. He's become uh, a dear close friend of mine. And Sammy shared something at the end of that Twitter space last night that I just think is so important when we think about why we're in this space and that idea of like, how do NFTs really remove the starving from the starving artist? Well, the answer is 
you know, Sammy shared that, you know, over, you know, the last couple of years, his total streaming revenue, right, from from like Spotify to Pandora to YouTube for all of his music, and he is a you know a you know singer songwriter recording artist, um, you know had generated him about thirty thousand dollars. Well, just yesterday, in four hours, he was able to sell three hundred and forty NFTs in his phase two. He's, he spent the last fifty one days showing up every day to sell out those first two thousand, and then. Yesterday, they were into phase two, and they sold 340 of those NFTs at about 0.05 uh, Ethereum, which I'll do the math for you, was about 100 bucks, and gas was like nothing, was like a dollar. And that $100, when, if you, he took a step back and he's like, how wild is it that all of that work, all of that streaming music, all of that putting out to the masses generated him the same amount of money as an artist as selling 340 of his NFTs, playing music and just giving you know, his gift. Now, I will give him mass amounts of credit that he's been showing up in this space weeks and months, um, you know, probably close to a year now, um, you know, sharing and giving and being active in a lot of communities. So he's put in the work. And of course, the, the payoff is what he, what he was seeing last night in the space. But it hit me like right in the feels because think about all of the musicians and all of the artists that today have to give up their dream because there isn't a way for them to make the ends meet. There isn't a way for them to share their gift the world. And, and think about it from our perspective, right? I own a bunch of, of Sammy and Violetta's and Spotty Wi-Fi and Ape In Productions. I own a lot of music, um, you know, uh, NFTs. And part of the reason is not only do I want to support artists, but I believe in that like co-ownership on the journey, and I believe Sammy Ariega is destined to do big things. I believe we'll see him at the CMA Awards one day. We'll see him, you know, being nominated for a Grammy. And what's pretty damn cool is I can say he was on my podcast. I can say I own some of his original, you know, songs from Meta Girl to Pixelated. And to me, that is just one of the beautiful examples and byproducts of amplifying and giving our attention to a great person and a great talent that is putting out you know, great music and great experiences. And so that's why I get so fired up. That's why I get so excited. But it's also why I believe so heartily that let's, let's do our best to shift our attention. And let's also do our best to empower NFT projects to not keep everything a secret. Um, I understand, hey, like, I mean, Apple and Facebook and Amazon, they don't share their roadmap publicly with everyone. But I think there is something about, hey, if we're, if we're going to want people to be owners in this, you know, startup with us, then let's let them come in, you know, pull the, the curtain back a little bit, let them in and let's go on this journey together. Let's not just do that via, you know, um, vanity or via, uh, you know, the shifting of money. Let's actually do that through our actions. As always, until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always... This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.